Hello, hello, and welcome to an Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. Oh, also streaming to CHDTV, of course. Wonderful folks there. And in fact, this show um, is sponsored by Informed Choice Washington and CHDTV. Um, in another couple of weeks here, we're going to be redesigning our layout a little bit, going to kind of have more two distinct hours. It will still be this two-hour block that you've grown to know and, and must watch. Um, but we're going to divide it up a little bit differently, and we'll be revealing that as we go forward. Hopefully make it easier for you to share with the two hours a little bit separate um, and some two distinct things, uh, themes, health and liberty sort of divided, even though they have such extreme overlap. Um, but so glad you're here. Uh, let me just say that the views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of our wonderful KKNW AM radio free speech platform or CHD TV, the awesome global TV network now that's just spreading the word. And yes, I'm feeling very upbeat today. I'm going to bring on Dr. Javier Figueroa um, to kind of explain. Hey, Javier, how you doing? Hello, Bernadette. <laughs> I'll try to let you get a word in edgewise to be. That's my goal. <laughs> I, I like. I, I have it written down. Like let Javier talk. Um, but I really am very excited, and I want I want people to um, to know this. I'm going to go ahead and share uh, real quick the um, what I've been watching and which is still going on. So don't tune out of our show. But later on today, uh, go watch the recording of the live testimony before the Arizona legislature. What we've got going on right now, it's been going on all day, live from Phoenix, Arizona, the Novel Coronavirus Southwestern Intergovernmental Committee hears testimony from experts, including ICANN lead attorney Aaron Siri, cardiologist and widely published COVID expert Peter McCullough, and Purple Heart recipient, former U.S. Army Green Beret and field surgeon, Lieutenant Pete Chambers. And I'm telling you, every aspect of COVID that we have discussed on this show, the politics, the science, the medicine, the corruption, all up to date, boom, it's it's been presented. But now they're going even a step further. And this, this is what really has me so upbeat because they are daring to do what we've been wanting them to do for so long. And they're presenting the actual data on all the pediatric vaccines and the foundation of mandates. The foundation of mandates is that you must get the shot so that you do not transmit to your classmates or you know whatever situation you're in. And he's going through boom, 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 showing the CDC science, the FDA science, their own words, their own web pages saying, this vaccine does not prevent transmission. This vaccine does not prevent transmission. It's personal protection only. Um, and I could see now it's still going. He's, he's showing Plotkin being grilled under oath. I mean, I feel like That's this awesome. is just going to be like my my go-to. I'm going to send it to every legislator that I know. They, you got to watch this because, boom, we are there. So yeah. it gives me hope. Go ahead. So Plotkin, he's actually being grilled under oath 
about oh. the vaccine schedule. Do, do you not know about that from the what happened year, a few years ago? I remember that. Yeah. Yes. So yes, it was it was a divorce trial, and they brought in Plotkin. Think I don't know. I think they just wanted to once and for all shoot down that the parent who vaccinates in a divorce setting wins. So they were going to bring in the king of vaccines, the one that the um, Aesop's gavel is named after. I don't know how old yeah. he is. He's in his 80s. He's worked for every pharmaceutical company. And once they got him other, under oath and then, of course, cross-examination, um, what, what do they call that when it's the interview before you go to um, the trial oh, actually indeed. starts? That You know what I'm talking about, though. It's yeah. that. Um, so, so then Aaron Seary, the brilliant Aaron Seary, interviewed him for nine hours. Boom, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Got this guy to admit everything. Everything. And, yeah. and then afterward, the, um, the other side decided not to use his testimony. Of course not. <laughs> but no, we no. have it. Yes. We have it. Um, and, you know, America, medical freedom is going to return. And so I'm just feeling so hopeful that truth is going to win. We're going to turn this boat around. I, you know, um, and other good things are happening. And, and then, so with that, I'm going to bring on our wonderful, um, Scott Shara, who is the beautiful Grace's father. Um, we lost Grace a few years ago in a hospital due to, um, an unethical coerced protocol that took her life. And now because of Scott's tenacity, and his support by a whole lot of good angels. He it has done what people thought was impossible. He's got a, a court case before a judge. Um, it is the Shara versus St. Elizabeth's Hospital. And it's they're suing the hospital and the medical personnel for the death of Grace. And we've had Scott on several times. Some of you may remember um what happened but and i apologize scott for our new viewers i will ask you uh once again to give just a little synopsis of what happened to grace and then then we'll get on to the new stuff and the new work that you've been doing you know it's funny that when you bring that up it's like the blinding flash of the obvious i always forget oh yeah we got to get the new people in the fold yeah but it's it's amazing i've been on i have been on about 750 interviews and you'd be surprised how many times you forget that and javier can certainly relate to it yeah. in one way and that is men can only do one thing at a time and so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes so now <laughs> so uh, Bernadette, you you could multitask, but I mean we we can't do that. So now we gotta <laughs> now I have to <laughs> all right. So uh the it was two years ago, October 13th. So we just mm -hmm. we just got done with uh, and I'm gonna because you said off stage or backstage that this is a positive night tonight. So I'm gonna be the most positive I can because on October 13th at 7:27 p.m. Grace celebrated her first moment in heaven. Mm. And mm. so we held a vigil. We had a, a vigil uh, a couple blocks away from the hospital that evening. About 75 people attended. Uh, it was it was really it was really special. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the court case. We have a major hearing coming up October 30th. So that's just 10 days away. I spent uh, two hours with the legal team this afternoon 
preparing. We have two motions to dismiss that are going to be heard that day. So even though the jury trial is already set, so we have a three-week jury trial set for November 4th of 2024. That's the day before the presidential election. So if we um, are fortunate enough, each presidential candidate will have to deal with my daughter, Grace, on the mm -hmm. campaign trail. Mm -hmm. uh, so we hope that that happens. Uh, we have uh, really a great case and you know that we're extremely well prepared for the hearing but you know a, a hearing in front of a judge is still a crapshoot so mm -hmm. right, you can't take anything for granted so but you know, our case is based on the fact that grace was murdered this is not a murder case right now it's just a civil case and you know the criminal case we believe will come out of this but what happened to grace is uh, we took her to the hospital i'm going to first throw myself under the bus because you know a lot of people think things happen in a silo and it's just, you know, this naughty hospital, but it started, it started with me and it started with me because of the fact that I was not awake. And that's one reason I'm, I'm outspoken now is I'd like to wake every single person up so that they don't lose their best buddy. And what <clears throat> we were awake to some things, Grace was never vaccinated. For example, Grace had down syndrome. She was never vaccinated. She was super high functioning. And she was super high functioning, I believe, partially because she was never vaccinated, right. partially because my wife did a great job homeschooling her. And then, of course, the lion's share of the credit goes to God made her that way. And, you know, she um, she got she really got things. It was, she got humor. And, mm -hmm. you know, just I'm going to just share a quick story now that I'm wound up. So mm -hmm. I just saw the branch manager from the credit union. Uh, just this last week. And and uh, when Grace turned 18, I took her to get uh, an ID. She she didn't legally drive yet. So when I taught her to drive, it was off-road. And I was expecting she'd get her driver's license. But, you know, we needed to get an ID because she wanted to vote. So then I said, hey, now that we got your ID, why don't we go to the bank and set up a bank account? So we go to the bank. We got a meeting with the branch manager and she meets Grace and we talked through the account and all that. And the branch manager asked Grace, Do you, would you like to have a credit card? And Grace said, well, of, of course. And so then she said, what would you like the limit? To <laughs> <laughs> and, and Grace says, 30. And the, and the branch manager said, $30? And Grace said, no, 30,000. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, she was she was so much fun so you know so so throwing myself under the bus first the propaganda influenced my critical thinking and we were on the flccc protocol and which meant grace was on ivermectin vitamins but we started monitoring her oxygen saturation it dropped to 88 percent the morning of october 6th and the protocol said if that number drops below 94%, admit yourself to the hospital. Right. And if I would have never done that, Grace would be alive today. Yeah. And I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming myself because what happens when you start following protocols and you are influenced by propaganda, your critical thinking goes out the window. And what I mean specifically is I had no business owning a pulse, ox a pulse oximeter, oximeter. Why? Because we had no baseline. You know, so just if you just process every mm -hmm. time somebody gets a cold or flu, which is what Grace had. I mean, I don't even know that she had COVID now that I understand it's a whole PSYOP. But, you know, she had the equivalent of a cold. She was fine. 
but that number on that pulse ox drove yeah. me to check out of my normal critical yeah. thinking and grace is dead because of that and that you know yeah, scott ahead. i just kind of want to add too in those early days when the fscc doctors were trying to come up with treatment protocols um and and then ensure that whatever they put out there that people got proper medical supervision at that time, they did not understand the corruption of the medical care system. They never anticipated that if your daughter's uh, oxygen was truly low, you went to the ER, they would measure it and they would just give her extra oxygen. They would right. just make sure she's safe. Um, in, a, in an ethical system, it would have been probably a smart thing to do, to go double check with the experts yeah. there. Right. But unfortunately, and then of course they, completely woke up. I haven't checked lately. I'm curious what they now recommend if people are checking their own oxygen stats, what they're recommending people now do. I, I have a feeling that has drastically changed. I would hope it has. I mean, I would expect it has. I haven't checked that either. Uh, but it, it doesn't change the reality that if you check out of critical thinking, and really that's what this is about. When the two of you were talking, when I was hearing you off, you know, when I was in the green room, mm -hmm. you said that, you know, the, about the foundation of mandates, you were talking about the foundation of mandates. Yes. And, you know, yes. what I, now that I have about 2,500 hours of research in, <laughs> I see it as the foundation is control. They yes. want to have control, which ultimately means it's, it's satanic because God never operates that way. God mm -hmm. always operates by giving us a choice. And you can see the government has decided to be a puppet in this whole worldwide scheme. And what happens is they implement control mechanisms and, you know, they've dumbed down our population over many, many decades, partially in the public fool system, you know, fluoride in the water, all kinds of things. And so, you know, you've did, got did you call it the public fool system instead of school yes. system? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like well, that. I mean, it is. Think through yeah. what they're what they're teaching. I mean, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. You know, we homeschooled for a reason, and you know, so we were we were awake to a lot of things, but we weren't. You still, we thought the hospital was a safe zone, and you know, shame on me. And you know, ultimately, I have become a very outspoken advocate because of that. You know, we have the first lawsuit in the country because of it. And, you know, what happened specifically to Grace to get your listeners in the fold is, so she, our first day in the hospital was October 7th of 13. She was dead October 13th. And they gave her a combination of meds that would have killed any one of us and anybody yeah. listening. They, they used Presidex, Lorazepam, and Morphine. Those three meds in combination in a short window of time, they did that with Grace in a 29 minute window after setting her up with Presidex for four and a half days, then compressed it into 29 minutes, which that's what you do when you end somebody's life, when you euthanize them in hospice care. And, you know, I, as I look at God's hand in all of this, I see, you know, she did it. She was never on remdesivir. She was never on a ventilator. So thanks to you, they kept trying. You kept right. saying they tried no. multiple times, five mm -hmm. different times. But, you know, I think part of that was to wake me up to see this has nothing to do with COVID. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if she would have died from the pro COVID protocol. I may have been locked into COVID, COVID, COVID. But, yeah. you know, it started me on a path. And now I see, oh, my, you know, this has been going on for um, 
well, for it really, Satan has had 6,000 years to plan this, but I mean, it's been on steroids for about 100 years or so. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's sickening. So now what happens, you know, even to make matters worse, so now they give her that med combination. And when, when it came time to revive Grace, the doctor had put an illegal do not resuscitate order on her chart. So then the nurses wouldn't even come in the room. We're, my daughter, at this point, my daughter Jessica was with Grace in the room. I had been taken out by an armed guard three days earlier. And so Jessica had Cindy, my wife, and I on a FaceTime call and we're begging them to save Grace from outside the room. They holler back, she's DNR. And so we, we start screaming, she's not DNR, save our daughter. They refused and we watched her die on a FaceTime call. So part of the, you know, part of speaking out is Bernadette, I have so many smoking gun documents. We could do a whole show just on smoking guns. Because in, you know, when you see these documents, you can't unsee them. So I found the, the document that shows they want to kill Down syndrome people, for example. You know, that's I think I'll show that tonight when we get there. Okay. Um, but then the the state of what so what happens is doctors are licensed through organizations at the state level. And that's on purpose too. That's on purpose so they can they can ultimately control these doctors. So in, in Wisconsin, you can tell I'm from Wisconsin because I don't have an accent. So the Department of Safety and Professional Services is the regulatory agency in Wisconsin. By the way, I'm the, tonight is my last night of giving my humor away for no charge. I'm starting to charge for it tomorrow. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> the Department of Safety and Professional Services is the organization in Wisconsin that licenses doctors and nurses. So we wrote a complaint to them, they wrote back a sham response, but ultimately a reporter dug into our case and they wrote him and said that a DNR can put be put on a person in a hospital setting by the doctor unilaterally. That, that, that's insane. It's completely insane. But this is this is the level of corruption that is is going on. So it is it is so big and so corrupt and so evil that at this point um i really just i i want to get on platforms and just share the evil and that's what the whole medical murder series that i put together is about okay. you know and it's this this needs to be addressed head on because there's been such a push since the 1920s and 1930s through the, through the eugenics movement Correct. to actually get give the power to the doctors to unilaterally make decisions like that and it wasn't wasn't it was just because it was a concerted effort by a few handful of people that basically said no people have autonomy people have a chance for informed consent peter bregan for example for Correct. many years fought against it successfully that was one person that overturned this like as you said a satanic cult mm -hmm. ideology well, I'm going to drill down this informed consent just a bit because it, this will show you how many uh, levels deep this goes. Yeah. So just think about informed consent just without having a, you know, you would just think, okay, it's just common sense, right? Right. If you, yeah. if you, if either one of you was the doctor, I mean, we know how do you treat somebody? Well, you treat the person the way you'd want to be treated, right? right. That's what the Bible says. All right. Exactly. So then, you would want them to be informed. You'd want them to process what I just said, pray about it, and then come back to me after you're comfortable 
with your decision. So now they're informed and then they give their consent, right? Or the refusal. Right. People forget that the flip side of it, informed consent implies, includes the ability to say no. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, that's what it would be like if there was truly a doctor-patient relationship like mm -hmm. we've been programmed to believe. Okay, mm -hmm. so it doesn't, it doesn't look like that in a hospital setting at all. You know, rarely do they even tell you what's going on. And if you try to push, you know, and ask questions and, and want to get informed and start really exercising your rights, I mean, you get taken out by an armed guard like I did. Mm -hmm. All right, so then, you know, when you drill down, so now I'm really educated on this because of our lawsuit. So in Wisconsin, the state legislature has put together an informed consent statute, okay, that documents in theory, common sense. All right, so then, you know, you know, it's logical. The exceptions are, of course, in emergency settings, but the problem is the doctor is the one who determines whether it's an emergency or not. And, you know, so then it's already starts the level of corruption, but here's the real level of corruption here. And it's at, at two levels. Number one is there's no teeth to the informed consent statute. The huh. Department of Safety and Professional Services the regulatory agency is in charge of enforcing the statute. And when you file a complaint, the it goes up, it, it goes to the medical examining board. The medical examining board is made up in Wisconsin is made up of 10 physicians and three lay people. So just think that through. They don't go against their own. All right. Mm -hmm. Then when you get to the lawsuit stage, informed consent is if, if you think about cause and effect. A physician cannot commit medical malpractice if there's proper informed consent, right? They could commit it. There could be honest mistakes. And that's really what medical malpractice should be is honest mistakes. Exactly, yeah. But if there's truly informed consent, there's going to be hardly any medical malpractice. But what they, so it's cause and effect. You have informed consent first. If there's a mistake, it would be medical malpractice. But what they did is they made informed consent informed lack of informed consent is a battery it's an intentional tort but they put that underneath medical malpractice because the physicians can buy medical malpractice insurance so now there's a state statute that limits the liability for medical malpractice and informed consent can't be litigated it's a medical malpractice claim it can't be litigated not informed consent but no. that's a human right violation. I agree. But it, this is how deep this corruption goes. So we, in our lawsuit, we have a separate battery claim. We had to get rid of, we still have the informed consent claim, but it's underneath medical malpractice by definition. God, no wonder the United States didn't sign on to the Nuremberg Convention. Well, you get it. I mean, you get what's, yeah, exactly right. So now this is, so don't just think this is Wisconsin only. No. It's, and, yeah. and then also wrap your head around limitations of liability. So I own a business. If I screw up, there is no state statute that limits my liability. So what does that mean? It means I have to run a good business. I have to run, it just is. But what if, if there, just think about if, if you were a doctor and you're, you know, not every doctor graduated first, right? If there's 500 people in the class, half of them graduated with a C and above and half graduate with a C and below. Exactly. So if you're at the C and below, which state are you going to go to? 
you're going to go to the one that provides liability coverage because you know you're not that sharp. I, I, it reminds me of that old joke, what do you call somebody who finishes last in their medical class? Doctor. You call them doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is, right. this is uh, it is not, if people, if everybody understood this, it's, I mean, if people always ask, what's the thing that people could do, Scott? The most important thing is change your perspective. Yep. Because if you believe in the old way we've been programmed, mm -hmm. you think they're still following the Hippocratic Oath? They haven't, a doctor wrote me after hearing me on a podcast and said, Scott, I just want you to know we haven't followed the Hippocratic Oath in 30 years. Yep. Well, and, and increasingly, um, we've got what I feel is um, criminal and we know for sure it's unethical but we have departments of health um, and federal oversight agencies and things like the cdc actively writing coercive scripts yeah. um, and propaganda information that pushes doctors to compel uptake of product and to avoid informed consent i you know i mean at the federal level surely informed consent is is still protected um well we see it being everything's being abused it doesn't matter one of the scariest things i learned during covid was that um you know i always felt like we live in a system of of beautiful laws the constitution you know wonderful declarations but you know all those pretty words on paper mean nothing if we don't have the political will to enforce it and if people don't respect it, we've seen that the people in power right now, globally, they don't care about those documents. Um, and so we do need teeth, but even more, we need individuals to know their rights. So they say no, you know. Okay, so I digress. You go ahead. All right. So that was, we, we did a great open. Okay. Now we got to get into the meat. So I'm going to share some things. So let me introduce what I've been working on. So I, I put together a seven part series, six parts are already recorded. And I'm going to, if we got enough time, I'm going to show a slide or two from each of the six parts done. So okay. what I did was I, uh, it came to me, um, I'll actually show that slide too, that we've gone through a progression. And so I started with this, this flow chart called from chickens to medical murder in 120 years. And we'll, we'll, I'll touch on that. Okay. Anyway, you know, that was a brainchild I had two and a half months ago, but then I, I, thought, well, I've done an awful lot of research. I can put together a series. So it's called Medical Murder is the Number One Cause of Death in the United States by Design. And so then I went through how you would do a research project. Who, what, where, why, uh, when, and how. And then number seven, we're going to record on Wednesday, which is now what? Assuming that you believe this, what are you going to do about it? Now so what? that's yeah. coming up. Okay. So that's what I want to screen share is a couple slides from each okay. one. All right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. We'll see if we can make this happen here. Excellent. Well, you know, we've known for quite a while now that, you know, the third leading cause of death is, is it due to pharmaceuticals or medical error? I think it's pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's actually it's medical malpractice. Yeah, I have that on my screen yeah. right now. Okay. So Excellent. Okay. We'll start with that just to get people in the fold that this this actually makes sense. All right. All right. So does it show up? All right. So even the CDC acknowledged the fact that medical malpractice is the third leading cause of death before COVID. So historical facts, we have um, heart disease, number one, at 700,000, cancer, number two, at 600,000. 
and medical malpractice number three at 400,000 deaths per year. So then COVID got us to um, what are the current facts? And we know that there's an all-cause mortality increase of 24% in the vaccinated. In the entire population, there's an all-cause mortality increase of 13%. So that takes that number, 13% increase in all-cause mortality is 371,000. So if you just take you know, now that I exposed in our open that medical malpractice really is not medical malpractice. Hastening right. death, you know, an accident is medical malpractice, but hastening death is murder. Exactly. So when you add the all-cause mortality increase, you know, just those simple math numbers show that, okay, the starting premise of this series is correct, but it's way bigger than what people think. And that's what I'm drilling down in the series. So I'm just going to hit a couple of couple of slides here when COVID first uh, came on the scene, we were, you know, the lies were right from the beginning. So this is one of the, this, this, um, I'll get to the purpose of this slide, but the lie that was sold to us was that hospitals are not going to have their regular surgeries, everything, because we're in a pandemic. And so we've got to incentivize hospitals. Well, now we know they incentivize them with death protocols, yeah. but they had to incentivize them because they're going to be full of COVID patients. Well, United Health Group is the largest medical provider in the United States. They're the 11th largest company in the entire world. Their stock price before COVID was $215 a share. The day after Congress illegally passed that COVID was over, which I'm not going there right now, their stock price was $521 a share, which means they had a $300 billion increase in value because of COVID. Wow. <clears throat> so then on a, what about on an individual level? So this is from Blue Cross Blue Shield that documents their incentive plan in the last quarter of 2021, they incentivized individual family practitioners to the tune of $296,000 in the last quarter of 2021 if they could convince 75% of their patient populations to get the bioweapon. Realize this is, the Brooke Jackson case was already exposed in January of 2021. This is in the last quarter of 2021. In May of 21, the government already acknowledged that the uh, the heart problems that are going to be a result. So this is, you know, they're making an all uh, court press to get this thing. You know, Grace died. They had hospital deaths were the highest in this quarter. And the hospital deaths you realize now were the whole purpose of the hospital deaths was to create this jab agenda. Exactly. So Scott, are you're saying that each doctor if they went along, was incentivized by almost $300,000 each, each doctor? That's right, each, each. And you can see how I did the math. An average yeah. family doctor has 2,500 patients. And if he follows the incentive plan and got 75% of his patient population in that last quarter, he would have received a $296,000 bonus. Oh, I'm I'm just like so stunned. I hadn't seen those numbers. I've seen all the hospital protocol numbers and such. I hadn't seen the individual doctors. I mean, how, it this is just horrifying. Okay. And so it's what I, yeah. What sorry. I'm doing in in this particular so this first set of slides is who and my claim is they're all in on it. So obviously we know 
you know, the medical industrial complex is in on it. The federal government is involved with it. The state government, as I shared with Grace's lawsuit, they're involved with it. Um, the And then we have controlled opposition. I mean, that was a shocker to me when I started to learn about controlled opposition. Because, I, you know, I was just a dad. I'm a dummy. Then the, the fifth one, which was even a bigger shocker than controlled opposition, is the churches. We had multiple right. churches that got in the millions of PPP grant money just for shutting their doors. You have churches that had vaccination clinics. Um, but even worse than all of that is you have churches that are unwilling to preach the truth of Romans 13 and 14 because they don't want to offend anybody in their in their congregation. Heaven forbid, right? The money would stop. Um, and then, then uh, last, what did I say for this? Oh, big business, of course. So, I mean, so Scott, go ahead and switch it. You're, you haven't refreshed the, uh, the screen. So go ahead. All right. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go to one more slide here on this one. So this is the one I, I shared with you at the beginning. So this was my, this was the brainchild I received about three months ago is this flow chart. And this flow chart really put it together for me as to what's going on. So you can see what it's called from chickens to medical murder in 120 years and what's next. And, um, the first three columns, you know, God gets the credit for all of this, but the last column, he really gets the credit because he got me up at one o'clock in the morning when I had this done already, said, hey, you're missing a column. He didn't tell me, you know, he didn't, he didn't say it that way. But I mean, um, but all of a sudden I woke up and I, I, I have this thought. So yeah. And, and Scott, it's hard to see. And then remember, we've got some audio only podcast and okay, radio so listeners. What, okay. Where this is at, let me just tell everybody where this is at is on ouramazinggrace.net. Okay. On the on the homepage of ouramazinggrace.net, you'll see this title of my presentation: "Medical Murder is the Number One Cause of Death by Design." All right, so then okay. all these PowerPoints are underneath that tab. I've recorded a monocast to talk about each one of these, and all my research is there because when you do a PowerPoint, you can't put everything in a PowerPoint. Right. All right, so let's go to the second the second one. Um, all right, so what have they bought into? What is this culture of death? Javier mentioned it already. It's the eugenics philosophy. And so, you know, eugenics, this is this is my favorite picture of Grace here, but mm. eugenics basically has been around since before Jesus was born. Yeah. But in modern times, the United States is the one who is behind the current thought process with, with eugenics. Hitler adopted our mentality. Yes. And then, you know, once Hitler was accused of a eugenics philosophy, of course, publicly, and this is what we're the best country in the world at, is we publicly renounce all these naughty people. But what are we doing? You know, we we come along and take the best eugenicists in the entire world and we bring them over to the United States because, you know, we, we can't lose what Hitler gained. You know, we got we to gotta take this and perfect it. So that's what's going on. There is a eugenics philosophy on steroids. And what they did is they convinced us because the people on Medicare and Medicaid are 135 million strong right now. And those people account for 50% of our annual federal budget, $3 trillion a year. So we got to get rid of those people. They're too expensive. You know, huge lie because we don't even have a real currency. All they have to do is print more money. 
<laughs> right? So, I mean, it's just a huge lie. The people are not too expensive. They're, they're real people. And right. they're, you know, but, in, you know, buried in Obamacare. I don't think I have that here. I well, you know, and if, and if Medicare would just ship vitamin D um, and other nutrients to everybody, then people on Medicare wouldn't even be using the system. And, you know, I mean, the, the top two causes of death before we get to the medical malpractice are lifestyle created heart disease and cancer. And, and we know health, you know, they change your lifestyle, though the numbers of those drastically plummet. So obviously they don't want people healthy. Nope. Well, of course not. And think about, I mean, it goes so deep. I mean, you could make the claim very easily without going too deep that uh, heart disease and cancer are a direct result, not just of lifestyle, but it's a direct result of poisoning. So yeah. think about when we were in school, I mean, I think I'm the oldest one of the three here, but I mean, when I was in school, the, the food pyramid was drilled into us. You know, what's the bottom of the food period, pyramid? Grains. It's all, you know, breads, right? Yeah, Carbs, yeah. breads. And what have they done with our, our entire, you know, you can't get, you know, you can't really get decent food. No. Right. You really should. You know, I, I haven't eaten bread since I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed with heart disease myself and I'm healthy. And <clears throat> so yeah. I haven't eaten bread for six and a half years now. Oh, wow. And, and how long did they tell us not to eat butter and eggs and whole milk? Exactly. The and, stuff that's good for us. Right. And yeah. So, well, that's a whole other show. So, right. um, okay. So one of my favorite you know, the banality, so out of, when I started studying the Holocaust and met Vera Sherov and her and I became friends and, you know, and then I started realizing, okay, this, this actually helped me with Grace's story because I could not wrap my head around how somebody could murder another person. Right. Right. Then the banality of evil. So Hannah Arendt is the one who coined this phrase and, you know, she, she showed that when evil becomes so common that we don't recognize it, that's what's going on. And that's what's going on in our society. So like with, in Grace's case, she had Down syndrome. 90% of people with Down syndrome are murdered in the womb right now. Right. Um, the and I'm going to just see if I have that Down syndrome training. Yeah. So this is the training document that the medical profession uh, put in place after Obamacare was passed. So Obamacare, Section 1553, I'll just quickly flip that on the screen so people can see, you can look this up yourself, but Section 1553 puts in writing the legalization of euthanasia, mercy killing, and assisted suicide, all the way back in when Obamacare was when Obamacare was passed in 2010, March 23rd of 2010, these became legal. Yet we point our finger at the medical assistance and dying program. That's what we're good at, like I said earlier. Well, then they have to put training documents in place in order to kill somebody. So this is the Down syndrome training document that the doctors um, are trained to follow. This was written in July of 2011. And if you look at this, you can see they they do what you do in any paper you do an introduction so these down center people are nothing but problems then they go through uh, the their savior complex we got to save the family from this down center person because there's nothing but problems and then they make the killing statement and it says that they should use their judgment substituted judgment to determine what if the person should live or die? Not the yeah. not the individual with Down syndrome. So I mean, this is this is a major smoking gun 
you know, and this is so Satan's way is a way of tacit approval. These documents have been there. Nobody knows about them. Correct. But then that is just a process that that um, that you know, like when you say all these documents and laws and things like that. When you mentioned that earlier, these are all there, and it's it's taken our constitution from a document that was written that really needed nothing else, and has boiled it down to this complete evil agenda. And they yep. did it one one small step at a time, but now we got this, you know, it's 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 yeah. at a level of of and insanity. Scott, this at the beginning of the show when I talked about what's going on right now being streamed to the high wire, this um Arizona uh presentation to Arizona legislators, um the gentleman from the the Green Beret and Field Surgeon, uh Pete Chambers, he said his uh the guy over him, sorry, I'm not getting words right now, but um, gave him an illegal order. And I believe it was um, in that conversation would evolved. I got to go back and watch it. But in essence, they all agreed that all of this is being allowed to flourish and happen, evil happen, because people are seeing evil and not resisting. They're not saying right. to their supervisor, to the head of the hospital, that's an illegal order. That's an illegal protocol. That's that's an illegal law. It violates, right? So all of us have got to learn to speak up when bad things are passed and say that's illegal, immoral, unethical. Okay, go ahead. If, if we would have all done that, let I me mean, just take a simple example. When the airlines said that you can't, you can't ride on this airplane unless you have a mask, if everybody said, we're not doing it. Yeah. Right. It would have been over. So, yes, I mean, you can't, you know, Vera is by far and away the best uh, spokesperson for standing up. There's no yeah. question standing up is is right. Yes. Uh, standing up, getting us out of this. In theory, that would happen. But I mean, the problem is we have 70 percent of the population who are zombies and yes. then the 30 percent who are at least somewhat awake. They still I mean, I can't get people to share their story. Yeah. You know, people I know whose stories are worse than graces, they won't even share, you know, because they're afraid, you know, the pulp, you know, what, it, you know, all kinds of crazy reasons. And they're awake. You know, they should be sharing. I went to the uh, funeral wake of a 56-year-old man with Down syndrome this morning, and he died at the the hands of the same people at St. Elizabeth's Hospital that Grace died at. The people called us because they saw our billboards. And, you know, it's, but the family... There's five people in the family. Two of them are on board. They want to come and share the story, but three of them don't want to share the story. Mm. You know, so mm. how do you how do you wake people up? I mean, that's the million dollar. I'm gonna just leave that as rhetorical right now. Yeah. I'm mm. I'm doing it with time. All right. So uh the where mystery Babylon. Uh, so this is this is a I don't think it's controversial, but you know, a lot of people would. You know, so Revelation 18:23. For your merchants were the most important people on the earth. Because of your sorcery, they deceived all nations. Well, sorcery, the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia. And I'm making the bold statement here that the United States of America is mystery Babylon. And yeah. we are deceiving 71% of the world got the jab because we led the charge. We restricted the use of remdesivir on the rest of the world. Even, and we knew it was going to kill people, but we wanted our death numbers to be the highest. Remember, we're, we have 1.2 million hospital murders in 39 months. Number two is India with four times 
the population in the United States and only 531,000 deaths. So you unbelievable wrap your head around that. So then look at the current numbers with we write almost 5 billion prescriptions in the United States for our citizens, yet we only have 4.2% of the population. That represents 44% of all the pharmaceuticals worldwide. Mm-hmm. You know, so you look at that. I mean, these, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Well, look at the, the numbers for, on, the, on the graph and mm-hmm. then look at what they've done. You know, they, this vaccine culture, which that's what we were talking, you guys were talking about at, at the beginning of the show that's being exposed in Arizona right now. Well, it's it's so big that they've convinced the population that you need vaccines instead of God. And the people are so into it. Look at uh, Fox News on, on um, September 15th. That's what the link is. We're not going to play that now, but they had a link announcing the, you know, whatever is the seventh booster or whatever. So then they allowed people to comment. Well, look at this comment. I got my sixth shot yesterday. My doctor told me my heart problems are not from the shots. I mean, <laughs> it's so insane. I mean, yeah. I, I used to say <laughs> you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But now it's you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them think. You know, how do you get somebody like this awake? All right, yeah. so let's let's keep moving. I know we got we got a lot to cover yet. Yeah, right, we, so we've only got about 10 more minutes. The fourth, the fourth one is the most important. So if anybody wants to watch this one out of all of them, it's the most important because it helps explain what's going on. And that's the esoteric spiritual battle. Yeah. We are in a spiritual war. There's no other way this could be orchestrated other than by Satan. And what Satan has been masterful at doing is getting us into these dialectics of evil versus less evil. And he did this all the way back in the garden. In the garden, he sold evil bill of goods. He was the first person to use propaganda. And the first line of propaganda was, did God really say? And so he sold this idea that making, if we chase knowledge, which has become science, right? If we chase knowledge, we don't need God. And then he created these evil versus less evil dialectic. And what I'm explaining here in this in this series is God always stayed true. He always offered the tree of life, which ends up being Jesus Christ, of course. But Satan tricked Eve. He said, by knowing good and evil, you'll be like God. Well, Satan could never know good. He only knew evil versus less evil. And so now we have the ultimate esoteric dialectic setup. He's had 6,000 years to perfect the Antichrist system, the first beast of Revelation, in preparation for the second beast of Revelation, the false prophet system. And I cannot talk about this enough. It is it is so big. It's all behind the scenes. Think yeah. about COVID. COVID is an exoteric dialectic. You Every week there's somebody new that has, it's like a race to expose evil. We can't get enough of that evil. And Satan's sitting there laughing, saying, this is exactly what I want them to do. Because once they realize how evil this is, now I can come in as the angel of light and be the false prophet. And they'll fall for security and comfort every time. This is a battle for souls. And that's Mm -hmm. what this number four is about. All right. Number five, um, I drill down. Let's see. Yep. I, I drill down dialectics here, all these dialectic patterns that Satan uses. And then we're going to go to number six here, the American dream. So how did he pull this off? 
And this, uh, the American dream is a, it's a big deal. Uh, So I had written a paper on this uh, when I saw all the legalities that they did. They crossed every T, dotted every I. And, you know, I realized COVID was a PSYOP, but then I also realized that the American dream is the biggest PSYOP that we've ever been sold. So, you know, the American dream in a nutshell is, you know, 2.1 kids, 1.7 dogs, of course, no cats in the American dream. And, you know, then you, you know, you're an obedient taxpaying citizen. You, you retire at 55 and drink beer on your front porch and enjoy retirement, right? You know, that's the bill of goods that we've been sold. All right. So the, the reality of the American dream So this slide, like a magician, Satan preys on our selfishness and created a delusion called the American dream to keep us chasing an illusion that we can have it all while his real agenda was hidden in plain sight. And I want to share some some things that are shocking. So the 13th Amendment said that we cannot be involuntary slaves. The 14th Amendment made us citizens of the United States. Well, newsflash, the United States is broke. We were sold to the bankers back in 1933, and it's over. And when we claim to be citizens of the United States, our all of our property and our birth certificates were made collateral for the debt. And so we have, because of our tacit approval, we have become voluntary slaves because the 13th Amendment says we can't be involuntary slaves. And we became voluntary slaves of this agenda that nobody even knows exists. Uh, If there's something that you would, that somebody ever wants to listen to, I have it here, the James Trafficant speech. So on Grace's website, you know, you can follow, you can see this link, but it's also, it's in the show notes for this particular podcast. And it's also in my research that's posted on the website, but the James Trafficant speech is eight minutes long. And it's, it's like these documents. When you see them, you can't unsee it. When you hear his speech in front of Congress, you can't unhear that. It will change your whole perspective because you realize it's game over. It's already game over. Our country no longer exists. So then we end up in in these crazy dialectics, thinking that we can change things. And you know, I'm I'm doing my best to stay positive here, Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you say this game is over, but you know, it's a multi-game challenge, and. I, I just believe that you know good's going to triumph, and and with you and others exposing the game um, and all the details, um, people will come forward and figure it out. I just believe that we got the two minute notice here. Yeah, we got the two. So here's my last thing I want to say. Here's here's the only way out of this. There's only one way. See, I knew you'd have a way. It is not by people standing up. It's not about waking people up. It is recognizing how we got here. We got here by rejection of God, and God has always been faithful when his people repent. So repentance is the only way out of it. And anybody that is not preaching repentance is really, I mean, Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. So anybody that's not preaching repentance is on the wrong side. True enough. You got to recognize that you've you've, uh, 
created the problem yourself. Does the repentance, um, and we don't really have time to cover this much here, cover things such as um, reconciliation systems where people step forward and admit they were part of the problem and they ask for forgiveness and become part of the change? Do you consider that like how we move forward? I, I don't know the answer to that because I don't know what their hearts are. I know that when I start listening, which I do regularly, I hear amnesty all behind the scenes no, and yeah. amnesty is not repentance no uh, repentance no. is an attitude of the heart saying yes. your story is a symptom of repentance but saying your story is not repentance repentance is Isn't that it? you realize you sinned against the father yeah and then it has to be genuine. It, it has, has to be to a be genuine, genuine repentance. Well, Scott Shara of AmazingGrace.net, thank you, my dear friend, for bringing this to us and all your hard work. Um, my love to your family. Thank you, Javier. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back. And we've got more legal news, good news, with CC Blakeman of the former Feds Group. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to The Flame USA. Com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at healthyimmunitynow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me the love. We need a revolution. Hello 
everyone. Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. Got the same disclaimers. We're not giving medical or legal advice, and the views expressed are not necessarily those of our fabulous hosts, KKNW and CHD TV. We're just here giving you some information, conversation to help you live an informed life and, you know, have an informed community and make informed votes and all of that. With me today is Dr. Javier Figueroa. Welcome, Javier. Hello, Bernadette. Hi. Over the past few years, having seen Scott Shara go through this journey in the midst of his grief and what he has learned and revealed, I so admire him. Um, it has and not been easy. And he's, he's going he's gonna to give so much information to the world to actually show, show the deception and how the deception worked yeah. at the hospital level and also at the, at the uh, um, assisted living level. Yes. And the one thing yes. that I wanted to add while, while Scott was there to, to buttress his, his presentation is that in, in the UK, um, they were one person actually started tracking the administration of antibiotics uh, from, you know, from 2017 all the way to 2023. And when they had a spike in assisted living facilities, there was a drop in prescriptions for azithromycin. And azithromycin prevents pneumonias. The secondary pneumonia that would set in. Wow. Correct. So all these deaths that occurred in assisted living facilities mm -hmm. in the UK was because they denied three pills, one course of azithromycin to prevent pneumonia in that population. Wow. And it is documented to the T. It matches perfectly. That is horrifying. I mean, add that to the list of things they denied exactly. the patients. And the, you know, I, I really want to start a massive campaign um, about vitamin D levels exactly. and correlation with all infectious disease and viral disease. Exactly. I mean, to not check the D levels of everybody in your nursing, you know, long term. Exactly term care facility. I mean, just the very fact that you could gargle with iodine and, and um, do the nasal flush, it kills it in 15 seconds. It's just, um, but I feel like we're going to get there. I did want to, before we bring on our guest, I want to mention a couple of things that I'm, I need to write about. I'm going to post some on um, uh, the Tennessee chapter of uh, CHD under our disarmed pharma tab and trying to keep up that tab with Washington chapter. I help out with them as well. You know, us activists, we wear a lot of hats here, <laughs> Yes, but there were two different um, shows I watched recently. One was the, the recent high wire and in the Jackson report, Javier, he talked about a, a, a lab rat study. I'm hoping I'm remembering my citation right. Don't quote me here. I'll, I'll find it and I'll get it accurately for the Substack for Informed Twist Washington. Gerald, I'll try to get you this, so I'll find it. Um, the, anyway, in this rat study, they looked at giving antidepressants to rats while they were pregnant. Oh. And what they found in the offspring there were a lot of health things that they reported, but the scariest one for me was that some of these offspring were born without the ability to feel emotion. Now, I don't know how you determine that in a rat. 
But when you see society today and they tell pregnant women, you can be on antidepressants, you can get injections, you can do all of this stuff. I am so heartbroken over the idea of a baby being born into the world, unable to feel joy and right. love and sadness and all the emotions that goes with being human. Right. And you wonder why atrocities are happening and, and, and kids are confused if you've got a certain percentage of them that were harmed in ways that you can't tell when the baby is born. They look fine. Exactly. But that to me is terrifying that um, antidepressants are horrible. And then there was the FLCCC, I believe it was, where they were quoting a study I need to look up that was showing that each and every time when they compared exercise to an antidepressant for effectiveness for overcoming depression, exercise one. Every, every time. single time. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. the lie that they keep on telling you. And it's it's the pill culture in this in in, in this country. It's mm -hmm. like a pill for every condition. No, mm -hmm. get out. Like you said, get out, get some sun, get some vitamin D. Yeah. That's probably the best thing to do. That's, you know, we listen to ourselves and, you know, but we've got the tenacity of the human spirit. We've got, we've got good rising up. We're figuring out how to be Americans and how to be bold and how to uh, speak to power. You know, we're figuring all that out. And one woman who really epitomizes that is the wonderful Cece Blakeman um, coming on now. Um, me see me got, oh. How come I only have Blake, but I don't have your first name on here and I've just gone blank, CC. <laughs> or shall I just call you that? Um, Carolyn? Yes, Carolyn. I, I apologize. It's a time of night. You know, I've said this before. Why did I decide to have, I think it was the hours available in the radio station, why we got this block, but it's that time of day, you know? Um, you're muted, yeah. Carolyn. Oh, you're muted, Carolyn. If you could find your little unmute button there. There we I go. Hello. Yeah, I've got bugs flying. If you've been seeing me swat, I've got these little bugs <laughs> flying around and they're trying to go up my nose. I don't know what's going on here. Weather's changing. Um, that's the oddest welcome, but welcome, Carolyn, to an informal <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is like my fifth podcast today, so I'm I'm like too. Okay, okay, cool. Well, we'll get through it. You know, our audience yeah. is very forgiving. They just love that we're here talking truth, and and keeping them up to date on um, information. And I got to make sure I I let people know that the only reason we are here, this is this we have no commercials, we have no advertisers. We are only here because people give to Informed Choice Washington um, and to Children's Health Defense. Um, and then I do want to let people know, too, that the show in a couple of weeks is going to have a, a split format, same time block, but we're going to have a more, um, more divided focus with Children's Health Defense fully uh, funding a health hour and Informed Choice Washington fully funding, say, a Liberty Hour with news about like things you're bringing us today. Um, CC. And so I would encourage um, uh, listeners to uh, continue to donate. And if you're not doing it, please donate to Inform Twist Washington to keep the show on the air. And then in Washington State, there is now the Washington State chapter of uh, Children's Health Defense. And they're going to be taking over um, sponsoring one of the hours. So please uh, find that. It's wa. Um, childrenshealthdefense.org and, and, and keep this important news on, on the air. We really appreciate that. Um, so I'm going to just say what you've got here, you're going to be speaking against 
the class action complaint against Gilead Sciences, and the name of that company still freaks me out, um, over Remdesivir for violations of consumer protection laws, false advertising, deceptive promotion, negligent misrepresentation, and other charges. Bravo to you. So, yes. um, <laughs> um, so I'm going to just let you take over and go ahead and, and tell us what's going on. Tell us about this lawsuit, who's involved, and what's happening. Well, we are so excited to finally file this suit. It's been in two years in the works. These attorneys across the country from independent firms, single practices have come together because it's the right thing to do. We're on uncharted waters. We don't know how you know, this is going to end up. We're very confident that the complaint is written in such a way that it will get past the PREP Act. And for those of you that don't know what the PREP Act is, it's a very unconstitutional document that says that they have immunity from everything, the hospitals and the pharmaceutical companies. But we found some loopholes in that ironclad PREP Act and in the individual suits and this class action by using the consumer product protection statutes. They're saying that you've been saying this drug is safe and effective and you're not disclosing the risks associated with it and people are dying because of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we have um, our COVID-19 Humanity Betrayal Project. We have over 1,300 documented stories now. And 95% of those people got remdesivir and 95% of them died from kidney failure. So wow. this class action, we, we were fundraising for it because, of course, you know, here's five small attorneys going against big, I call them big pharma, but big pharma, um, who's got unlimited funds, right? So we were, we were fundraising and fundraising and it came to the point that we got about halfway there to the goal and they said, let's just fire at it. We have to fire at it. People are dying. They're still using remdesivir. You know, we had a lady go in two weeks ago with the complications of UTI. Next thing we know, she's on remdesivir. Oh I God. mean, it's just, it's just insane. Um, so we couldn't wait any longer. And I was begging the attorneys. I'm like, of course it's, you know, not my risk, but I'm just, just please just file it. The victims need it. We need it. They're killing people. And we got Brad, our founder involved. Um, and they did, they pulled the trigger and they filed it in California. We, uh, the two head of the class is a victim who made it through remdesivir, but now he's very sick. Um, with kidney issues. And the other one is a spouse of someone that was a victim and, and passed away from remdesivir. Mm. So anybody in, this, in the country can get involved. Um, they think they found the way around the PrEP Act, like I said, by using this angle. And because the just like in the individual suits, we're finding that med mal isn't working, but constructive fraud is. Because the doctor or the fiduciary is has to tell the patient, or at least their family or the caregiver, what they're putting in their body. They're not disclosing any of the of the risks. They're not telling them it's an approved in EUA drug. They're not even telling them what it is. They're just saying it's the COVID cocktail or it's what Trump took or, and, you know, and Trump took or in general. I mean, they, they did all tricks or they'll um, hang the drip bag at night when they're asleep. Yep. You know, we've had patients go into the hospital with black Sharpie written on their arm, no remdesivir. Guess what they got? Remdesivir. Mm -hmm. So um, the, hosp the hospitals were highly incentivized to use this protocol. We know um, from A.J. DePriest's research mm -hmm. that it was an average of $266,000 a patient if they use a certain protocol. And 
The numbers are staggering. In the first hour, Scott Scherer revealed that in the average practice, if a doctor had 2,500 patients within his practice and he got 70% of them to take the COVID shot, it would it would earn him, how much was it? 295,000. Yep. Almost $300,000 per doctor. I mean, yep. it, we're, we're looking at how much it's staggering the amount of money. The Just pharmaceutical staggering. companies have completely captured all of our agencies, really. They own everything. And especially our, our medical um, system, it's it's yep. completely captured. It's completely just yeah. corrupt. There's yeah. no other word to put it. You, and we have to start building an alternative parallel healthcare system. Yeah. Um, because nobody trusts yeah. the doctors anymore. Nobody trusts yeah. the hospitals anymore. Literally, we have this you know medical alert bracelet. I've had mine on for over a year. I never take it off. Sleep, shower, scuba dive in it, whatever. Because if if something was to happen to me and I can't speak for myself, then this speaks for me. And it's a legal directive that says, no, I'm allergic to remdesivir. Do you know if they're honoring those or not honoring, yes. obviously, Sharpie written on your skin, but they it's, will. Okay. Yeah, it's not enough to say I don't want it or um, it, or write it on your body, but you have to say I'm allergic to it. Mm -hmm. And people ask me, well, how do you know that you're allergic to it? We'll let the doctor ask you that. And I would say, well, I'm allergic to kidney failure and I'm allergic to death. Yeah. So, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You can go ahead and try and see if you're allergic to it, but I no, I'm allergic to it. And they write it in, in your medical chart. And now I've gotten numerous calls saying, wow, this bracelet saved me. Then the first thing they did was write, I'm allergic to um, bar, uh, remdesivir and barcinib in my chart. And they didn't give it to me. They didn't even push it on me. Oh. So, Okay. They are. If, if everybody in the country had one of these on, we wouldn't even have this problem, right? Right. But it's sad that we've come to this to this point where we have to wear something on our body that says we're allergic to something because they're pushing toxic drugs on us in the hospital without right. our consent. Yeah, I'm allergic to all poisons. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I wanted to ask you. Um, you you mentioned there, there's two people in this, but it's a class action complaint, and anybody who you know qualifies can join on. Where will they go? I've got pulled up right now the former Feds group, the announcement of this class action complaint. Is mm -hmm. there a, something I can click on there, or that listeners can click on there to take them where they can join on this? I I think that's the press release. But okay. if they go to our website and click okay. at chbmp.org. Okay. They and click on document my story. It will do a full case file. There it is. Okay. Um, of their story. And if they got remdesivir, we'll put them in the class action if they so choose. Uh, where did you say to go? I'm on there. Um, from um, let's see which one you want. So, if you oh. see it, it's document my story. Oh, document my story. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then they um. fill out the form and then we'd contact them, do an interview. And then the case will look like one of those files right there you have underneath if you want to click on one of those. Okay. And click on the most recent um, there. In each file is all the details of the case, a um, testimony, a video testimony of, of what happened, a written account of what happened. Mm -hmm. So if I find attorneys also in that particular state, I can send them these case files. Okay. And it, but also it, it asks if you got remdesivir and if you would like to be in the class action. Okay. And so, all right. Very good. Very good. Um, okay. There's so, so many people out there that got it yeah. and they don't even know that's what they died from. They think they just died from COVID. Right. You know, and it's, it's, mm -hmm. 
it's it's tragic because they feel alone. They don't understand, you know, what happened. Everybody had this sense that there's something not right when they were in the hospital. They weren't sure what, mm-hmm. but that there's just something didn't feel right. Yeah, and they need to listen to their gut because it wasn't right what was happening. Exactly. Yes. So, um, um, I, I had interrupted you and you were explaining the lawsuit class action. Where were we moving forward? So where's the, what happened? This was filed and then what? So it was filed. And then we learned some interesting information that Pfizer is also involved and they were making remdesivir. So I think what happened, this is my personal theory is they, everybody was dying from remdesivir, so they would scare people to run to get the Pfizer shot. And so they were in bed together. Um, so we sent out a demand letter demanding that it be pulled off the shelves and that Pfizer mm-hmm. was included in that demand to quit making it. So the main, the main goal of the case is to get remdesivir pulled off the market, get it out of the consumer stream so it can never be used again, never harm another person. Um, there's, there's talks about it coming out in an oral form. And it's, I can't remember the exact name, but it's something dear, you know, like it has the same ending as the remdesivir. Mm. But, um, you know, why, why do you have to pay people to push a drug on somebody if it works so well? You know, it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. It's a failed Ebola drug. And we Mm -hmm. we know just from our small data sample, Mm -hmm. 1300 people that had the exact same stories. You know, we uh, put together a document called the 25 commonalities and that's where we just we picked out the 25 things that we hear on almost every single case. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like they got a script because, you know, everybody heard or were told or, or this happened to these 25 things. And it's, you know, it's remdesivir, dialysis, ventilator, death. And it's just these people are dying alone and scared and drowning in their own fluid. And they're calling it COVID pneumonia when it's pulmonary edema because the fluid's backing up into their lungs because their kidneys mm-hmm. shut down mm-hmm. and never, don't even know why. So we also started a, um, a, ma- a car magnet campaign where we oh, have nice. these on our cars. So and it, and it says, I'm going to, for the um, audio only listeners here, it's a magnet that says COVID hospital death may not underlined be from COVID. And then it gives the website, chbmp.org. That's wonderful. I want me one of those. Where can I get one? <laughs> okay. Where can there, listeners get one? Uh, chbmp.org. Okay. Oh, you just, I just read that. I should have yep. done it. Yeah. So they can order that, um, make a donation to help you guys fund this. Because you're like, you're like running it on a hope and a prayer. You don't have all the funding you need, but the attorneys and everybody so believe in this. You're going for it, but we need yeah. to backfill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We need, um, we need help from the public. And even if you weren't directly harmed from remdesivir, everybody in America has been manipulated or harmed by big pharma. Everybody needs yeah. to take a stand, whether it's price gouging us or, mm-hmm. or just over prescribing. You know, I talked earlier today, I talked to a pharmaceutical, um, salesperson and they said we're just food deliveries we just bring food to the doctors to bribe them mm. you know every day that's just all you know prescribe my drug and here's here's this and here's that and you know that's where it's, that's where it's gone it's not about what's best for the patient anymore it's profit over patients and yeah. so even if you're not you know weren't um a victim of remdesivir 
everybody should still step up and help this lawsuit because it just says, hey, we as an American people, we're not going to stand up for this anymore. We're taking Mm -hmm. a stand against Big Pharma and you're not going to push us around anymore. Yeah. I'm going to give a a little plug right now for a campaign that's being piloted piloted in Tennessee, the Children's Health Defense. It's like a sub campaign to the Reform Pharma campaign that's coming. This is kind of early teasers of it from Children's Health Defense. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of, you know, this is the Disarmed Pharma is specifically focused on psychotropic drugs. But so many of the same mechanisms, the corrupt mechanisms are in place, not just for these psychotropics, but for all of the drugs. And this is the entire system that the whole reformed pharma campaign is going to be going after to systematically disarm. So like Cece, your great organization is funding a lawsuit to get rid of one product. But ultimately, we have to get rid of the mechanisms that allowed that product to even be ever injected. We have to get rid of the mechanisms that allow corruption. And so we've got a website. We continue to add resources, documentary films that you can watch. There's so much more I could add here. Um, And then there was a recent Children's Health Defense, The Defender magazine. If you're not reading that Every day, I just recommend as often as you can, go look at the headlines because they're on top of everything. One in six adults right now is taking a psychiatric drug. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a big how, push. <laughs> yeah. How, how really um, terrifying is that? And uh, just before you came on, Cece, um, a, a new rat study was out saying that pregnant women on antidepressants, their, their children, well, the rat children came out without the ability to feel emotion which is just the most terrifying thing I can imagine. Yeah, all these psychiatric drugs are just, you Mm -hmm. know, your child acts like a two-year-old and they run, put them on Ritalin or Adderall. They're just being a two-year-old, you know, that's that's the first, they don't treat. And if you're an adult, they don't treat Mm -hmm. your underlying issue, your depression or your anxiety. They just Mm -hmm. put you on, on drugs. I remember when I was going, I lost a daughter in 95. And when I was going through my deep, deep depression, they had me on 11 different psychiatric drugs. I was was like a zombie, but you know what? After I got off those, I was worse than I was before because we never dealt with what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. And and getting off of those those drugs, those anti anxieties, the the benzos, diazepine, was was it was horrible. And you know, Mm -hmm. I had to do it myself because the doctors just said, you know, you need to stay on these the rest of your life. And you know, everybody in my family said I just walked around like a zombie. Yeah, you know, it's like, where are you? Yeah. And that's the first thing to do. I mean, we are not treating the person and the, and the, and the issues. We're just medicating, sticking a bandaid over it with these medications that are very harmful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And thank you so much for sharing that, that personal journey of yours on there. The more people who speak up about that, the more we educate, we really need to take this on. We cannot rely upon our regulatory agencies. They're completely corrupt and captured and it's up to us to, to remake, um, a new healthcare system. And I, I believe we're going to do it. There's already some great, we've got Kimberly uh, Overton's Nurse Network and, mm-hmm. you know, um, Peter McCullough, the wellness. Oh, and yes. I, you know, I need a list. I've actually, I think Kimberly was going to at one place, I got to check in with her, make a, um, a list of all the organizations that are coming together, places you get insurance, places you could get blood that was safe, nurses mm-hmm. and doctors. 
Um, it, we need like a yellow pages, the old fashioned yellow pages. I know, but thank them. goodness. Thank yeah. goodness though, these are popping up. Yeah, and we you need know? to get back to relying on ourselves. You yes. know, our grandparents, you know, they knew how to nurse children through childhood illnesses. We knew how to treat things, take care yep. of ourselves. You only went to the hospital for major um, catastrophic issues. We need to get back to that way of being and, and um, more understanding how our immune systems work, how to properly support them, how not to freak out. Um, so much good to do. But okay, so back to this lawsuit. It, um, you got it properly filed. There it is. People can sign their name on. And where is it now? Tell us. Um, well, that's, that's just happened. The demand letter just went out the other day. And so now it's just we're waiting for the response. Um, Gilead has not come out and made a public statement about anything. Okay. Um, I think they know they're they're caught. Um, and I I predict that they will settle. I don't think they want you know fifteen hundred grieving widows, you know, in a courtroom. You know, it, it, I I mean I just I think that they're so used to paying out, and the most of the widows or, or the victims they just want it to stop. They don't even care about the money. They just want this drug just to be pulled that their that their husband or their loved one did not die in vain and they're seeing some kind of justice they need that justice they deserve that justice they're fighting hard for that justice and this might be the only justice some of them see because we mm -hmm. haven't been able to find attorneys in every state for all the you know all our 1300 cases yeah so mm -hmm. this this class action might be the only justice and they need that um mm -hmm. and they and they definitely deserve it but we we are so we're very hopeful I, the judge has an opportunity to award disgorgement, which means that they don't think that the pharmaceutical company should have profited off a drug that they falsely advertised or or um, mm -hmm. misrepresented. So they can take that money and give it back to the to the plaintiffs in the class, wow. which were which is about five point six billion, <laughs> um, what they made yeah. off from severe. So that would be nice because a lot of these um, people are completely financially devastated as well, not just grieving because, yeah. you know, the husband was the breadwinner in the family or, and they could really use it. But most of them, even if they are hurting financially, they just want to see it stopped. And that's yeah. the main, that's the main goal. And so remdesivir can never be used to hurt anybody else again. And it, and it shows the, the world, look, I told you I, we were right it was the it was the protocol that killed my husband it wasn't because so many of these people are just they're not believed they're they're um distanced from their family because their family think, thinks that they're crazy because they didn't get the vax and and they weren't really killed the hospital tried their best when mm -hmm. it's just not true and that's what makes mm -hmm. it even harder on the victims mm -hmm. yep it, yeah. is there a chance that in all of this anybody's going to go to jail oh that would be the ultimate goal um i, I mean we believe that these are crimes against humanity, which there is no statute of limitations on. And I hope we work. I think out of this lawsuit, it can be used as a template to go against other pharmaceutical companies. And, you know, criminal referrals could come from it, which would be. Oh, wonderful. I, mean, I would throw a parade. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I understand the law that well, but I love that that could. So this is a class action lawsuit. It's not. How is that? So it's not criminal. Um, can you explain what that means? No, it's, it's a class action just asking for something from another company. Criminal okay. suits have to be brought by um, by someone from the state exactly. or the government, okay. DA, an attorney general. 
And then do you get discovery in this? If we, yes, if we survive motion to dismiss, which I think we will, then it could lead to discovery, which could lead to all kinds of things. Yeah, that's where, that's where it happens there in the that's, discovery yeah. process. Yeah. So much comes to light. Mm -hmm. Wow. Same with our um, individual suits, which I'm just so ecstatic that we're getting good results and, and um, judges are siding with us. I think I told you the other day, I was like, when I called you, I was screaming. I yeah. was so excited about that one case. Yeah, it tell us. Passed. Okay, yeah. I'll actually, I have it right here, the case. Oh, you know, yeah. I hear about, you know, the good news from cases all the time, you know, three or four here, three there. But to actually read it, you know, the stamped copy from the courtroom in my own hands. I mean, yeah. I just started, I just started bawling. But um, so this, this case was, was against Kaiser. And um, it was one of the first ones I referred out. And, and and what was the, yeah, go ahead. You're going to explain what the charge was or what the. Um, yeah, it was for constructive fraud, you know, meaning that they did not disclose. Um, let me make sure I have the right case here. They, they did not disclose what they were doing. Here it is. Um, to the, to the patients. They weren't, they didn't tell them about the remdesivir. They didn't tell them about the side effects and that's fraud. We're not even trying to, um, claim that the remdesivir did something to the body. We're saying you didn't even give the patient a chance to say whether or not they wanted it. Mm. And medical malpractice usually has a two-year statute in most of the um, states, but fraud is usually a four to six years. So okay. all these victims that think that they're running out of time, that might not be true because we're finding that the fraud angle is working much better than the med mal wow. because they're okay. covered with the med mal with the prep act. But, and you know, these doctors are so arrogant and I think that they, could do anything and get away with it because of the prep act. But we found holes in that and we found out, Hey, that's not so true anymore because in this case, for instance, um, I'm just, I'm not going to say the, the victim's name. I'm saying say Mr. X. Okay. Uh, Mr. X was not advised of alternative treatment options and the medical staff did not obtain his consent before administering the two drugs. This amounts to constructive fraud in violation of civil code 1573. Claimant's theory is that Kaiser medical personnel breached their fiduciary duty to Mr. X by failing to advise him that over-the-counter drugs were safer or it was a safer alternative than remdesivir and varsinib. Further, by choosing the treatment for Mr. X, Kaiser denied Mr. X's right to choose his treatment. They also alleged that the physicians of Kaiser were financially motivated to use remdesivir because Kaiser would receive a 20% bonus on the hospitalization for each patient that used these drugs. Then it explains the PrEP Act and everything. And then at the end, it says the motion to dismiss due to the PrEP Act is overruled. Oh, and wow. it's like, ah! oh fantastic. And yeah. this is, this case is, is, it's not class action. It's one individual against it's one Kaiser. One individual, one widow going up against Kaiser medical system for the death of her 49 year old husband, 49 year old husband. Oh, oh, that's heartbreaking. And we've got 1300 of those and we've got now about 60 cases across the country, give or take. And I know of personally five, I believe that have made it past motion to dismiss and we're not there yet, but that is wow. a good, they, they, the that's judge sided with us on that. And that's a great ruling and um, you know, full steam ahead. Now on discovery. Yeah. Now let's let's show that he was starved. That he wasn't given water. That he was discriminated against. That he you know they was not given informed consent. Yeah. That they're using people as you know lab rats. They really are.
that that was so exciting. And I've been waiting. Yeah. I've been doing this for two years full time. And I've been, I told them I was waiting two years to read that sitting at my desk. And yeah. I was just like bawling. And yeah. like, we're getting somewhere. I feel like we're on offense now. You know, yeah. for so yeah. long, it's just been an uphill battle and just yeah. beat down, beat down every step we get. And yeah. now I feel like it's turned. And, you know, yeah. it's interesting. The day that I saw things starting to change was the day, exactly the day after Roe got overturned. Interesting. And I mean, it, it dawned on me one day, I'm like, why these, oh my gosh, great, good news, good news, good news. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Roe just got, I think God said, all right, you did the right thing. We're back in business. Let's get this done. You know, I, I don't know what it was, but something, something changed. And, and uh, yeah. it's just been good news after good news. And we, our organization has scaled up. I mean, we, we've got 33 th- projects going on. It, it's just, we're so busy. Our volunteers, Citizen Task Force has, has grown. Mm-hmm. We have this beautiful new project. If I could tell y'all about it real fast. Oh yeah. No, we've got plenty Please, of time. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so we created a cookbook and we had all the, or as many victims as they wanted. We have hundreds of over 200 victims that mailed in a recipe with a picture of their loved one and a memory tied to that recipe. Cause you know, you associate good food with good times with food. Yeah. So in the cookbook, it has the recipe name, in memory of the victim, a picture of the victim, then it has the recipe. And underneath that says, you know, my husband used to love these on Super Bowl Sunday. I would make them for his whole. And then the picture would be like him and his buddies and their jerseys. I mean, it's just, it is beautiful. And it just brings the humanity back. I mean, these aren't, these were not just statistics and numbers. These were real people that had real Mm -hmm. lives and the the happiness. I mean, I cried making this thing. The, The pictures and the memories with these dishes and sometimes the husband made up the dish and had a silly name mm-hmm. and it just, it's just going to keep their memory alive. You know, anybody that cooks this dish is going to see that person, see that memory and whether they knew them or not, is mm-hmm. going to keep their memory alive. And it's just, we named it home cooked memories from our hearts to your table. Oh, and that is so lovely. It is. Everybody oh. loves it. we got some great sponsors behind it. Okay. And, um, you can also order one, $25 on our website, goes to the okay. class action, but it's, it's, it's beautiful and it's great Christmas gifts. And um, mm-hmm. I just, I just love that project so much. What a great idea. And we bond so much with food. It's, it's really interesting. I was thinking earlier when you said that the um, farmer reps going around and all they do is feed doctors. And yeah. I think of all the legislatures where all the lobbyists come in and bring food Mm-hmm. And um, and just feed them, and it's just they're not feeding them healthy food either. No, you know? it's kind no of crazy. Reason. Yeah, yeah. I uh, last year I was at the state capitol sitting there with a, a, a good friend, and early in the morning, and we were offered I won't say the brand name, but basically some sauce, sausage biscuits. Everybody was walking out of the break room with handfuls of it that somebody mm-hmm. lobbies brought in for you know. Yep. And you want them? I'm like, no, thank you. They're free. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I, you know, I, I try not to eat, you know, and then we got in the funniest conversation about health food and vaccinating horses. I mean, the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, because they're putting the mRNA technology in our food now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy, but you know, human beings um, are influenced and you know, what, I, I guess I find some of the amounts that the doctors were awarded staggering and so 
telling because we know that individuals are influenced by something as little as a free chicken biscuit, for goodness exactly. sake. Yep. Somebody stopping by, hey, you want this, whatever. Psychologically, it doesn't take much. Right. But they must have known what they were asking medical systems and doctors and nurses to do was so egregious. They had to offer tens of thousands, adding up to hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. each person mm -hmm. to get them to carry out these atrocities mm -hmm. and, and then have them turn off their critical thinking. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that's the big question is how do you, what kind of mass psyops have you pulled to make these people that would normally not do something harmful to people to turn mm -hmm. into these killing machines? Because, you know, mm -hmm. thank God for the nurses and doctors that have stepped forward, you know, the Dr. Mm -hmm. McCullough's and the Dr. Yeah. Witchers and the Kimberly Overton's that said, I'm not going to be part of this anymore mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because they saw what was going on. They would, you know, Kim's told me that she would tell her supervisor or the doctor, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. You got to change this protocol. They didn't want, sorry, uh, and that's another another angle that the attorneys and the individual suits are doing is the doctors are saying, well, we don't have a choice. We mm -hmm. have to use this protocol because the hospital administration says we do. The CDC says we do. So when your doctor is not being your doctor, then who is telling, you know, who is in control of your health care and your in your treatment plan? Well, the health, the administration aren't doctors. So one of the attorneys brought in um, practicing medicine without a license, which I thought was super creative because that it's true. I mean, I, I see the doctors in the hospitals are going to start throwing each other under the bus because one of them has to take the blame. Mm -hmm. One of them is at fault. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they're all at fault. So they'll be, they'll start probably for immunity to prosecution turning mm -hmm. on each other. I was trying to find in my email here, I was sent, um, it was something about, shoot, where was, oh, here we go. Let me pull this up. Um, a doctrine, it's an article that was published in, I don't see the journal right off the top of my head. There goes that bug again. Um, a doctrine in name only, strengthening prohibitions against the corporate practice of medicine. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit here because it, it, it's something I didn't even know existed. In the late 1800s, corporations began hiring U.S. physicians and profiting directly from their services without being bound by professional ethics considerations. Concerned about this commercialization of medicine and potentially to avoid competition and tighter government regulation, the American Medical Association revised its principle of medical ethics, condemning as unprofessional any contractual arrangement that interfered with physician practice. States soon followed by adopting the corporate practice of medicine, for short, it's CPOM, corporate practice of medicine doctrine, which generally bars unlicensed lay entities from owning or controlling medical practices. Today, rapid corporization of healthcare raises new questions about the usefulness of the CPOM. CPOM doctrine. Why, despite the existence of CPOM laws in many states, has the corporate land grab in healthcare continued? And how can the CPOM doctrine be strengthened to protect both the medical profession and the public interest? 
Isn't that they're, they're right here. Somebody's provided one of the many roads to take to remove a mechanism that's, you know, and strengthen a good mechanism that's there that's just being ignored. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about this. Um, uh, we'll get it in the next newsletter. And I think that if a lot of states, um, advocates in a lot of states turn to this and look at it, what, what it's in their state and see if we can bolster that, put some teeth in it. We just need the, the American people to step up and get on board and get aware and get involved. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was you that was harmed by COVID or not, this this whole medical apparatus is is harmful to everybody. Yeah. And we need yeah. to take it back. We need to take control back. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take all of us standing up. You know, Brad, our founder, always says they may have the money and the power, but we have the people. It's yeah. just waking up the people and getting around the censorship, exactly. which, you know, is, is the problem. And thank goodness for shows like yours and other independent media that will cover the truth yeah. because you're not going to get it from the mainstream media. Every single one of their commercials is big pharma, yeah. you know, even Fox. I'm watching Fox and it's like one drug commercial after the other in between their shows. Right. So, um, you know, the whole I don't know if you've ever seen a documentary. It's on Rumble. It's called Who Owns the World? Incredible documentary. Mm. And it's really, really eye-opening. I mean, we know that there's some industries and some people that have a lot of control, but this documentary will, will shock you. Um, who runs the world or who owns, owns the world? Who owns, owns the world? world. Yeah. yeah. Is, is the name BlackRock in there somewhere? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vanguard BlackRock, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like every thing that we touch, do, have, is owned by the same people. You know, you think Pepsi and Coca-Cola are competitors. They're not. <laughs> They're not. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, yeah. One thing I've never understood is how you can become so stinking rich si selling sugar water, mm -hmm. um, which is bad for you, or artificially sweetened water. And it's this a huge business. I mean, who would have thought that people would spend that much money to make so many people rich? And years ago, I knew this woman who was absolutely brilliant, could have done anything in life. And she chose to go work for Coca-Cola because of the money. And yeah. It's like I, she could have channeled this it, as supreme intelligence for something really useful for humanity. Yeah. Um, human just, nature just has that greed, <laughs> that greed streak in the human nature. Yeah. And, you know, we have to find yeah. people to, to start move, grassroots movements to open people's yeah. eyes and that are not, you know, influenced that way. Right. And, it's you not. know, I don't want to put myself up as saying that I'm better than anybody that, you know, that I not at times motivated by financial matters. And I do live in a bubble. I'm very safe in my little world. And I, I stand here and I preach to the world from my little bubble. Yeah. But I do, I do, um, I give credit to God. I give credit to the universe, but I, I give credit to my mother who gave me the best advice growing up. I lost her in yep. 2019, but she's in my head all the time right now. She's saying, did you put on your lipstick, dear? But, oh my gosh, um, sounds like my mother. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I know that though I was guided to make decisions that have helped me create a bubble of where I feel safe and strong to voice my opinion. Um, uh, and you know, but I, I know I'm not perfect. Um, but still 
that influence is is so out there undermining us. But we're going to get through it. We're going to always put this positive out there. I'm encouraged globally at the group standing up. Last week, Javier, the, the video that we saw of, of New Zealand, the massive marches going on down in New Zealand was just, it gave me the chills to see. It was so good. Yeah. People are waking up. And it's yeah. funny that you said that you were influenced by your mother. And I think a lot of us that got in this fight had that kind of person in their life that they were influenced by. Mine was my grandfather. He was a fighter pilot in World War II in the Pacific. You know, after seven weeks of flight school at 18 years old, he's up in a tin can of an airplane flying against, you know, bombs being shot at him for this country. And mm -hmm. and I can I can sit at my computer with my time and my voice and fight for this country, too. You know, mm -hmm. if he can do that. Yeah. And I think a lot what's happened is a lot of parents in this previous generation haven't taught their children what it means to be an American. Yep. And how how lucky we have it and what our grandfathers and our great grandfathers did and sacrificed and risked for us to have this freedom. Mm -hmm. And we're just giving it away to, to big pharma and to all these corrupted agencies without taking a stand, you know, and. Um, it took I, a lot I, to wake us up, didn't it? To the complacency yeah. of our lives. Yeah. And um, I was just like everybody else until, um, you know, I was about 50. So 10 years ago. And then I had my own kind of wake up call and began to really pay attention. Um, but, you know, sometimes it just takes a lot. I think we're going to come through this better, stronger um, than ever with an amazing community um, everywhere. I yeah. think so too. I'm yeah. hopeful. Yeah. You know, we're in a spiritual battle and I think good is going to perfect, you know, mm -hmm. good against evil. I think we've got God and the truth on our side. So how we can do. we live? How could we lose? You know, we've got a little extra time, not a whole lot, but, you know, I usually talk a mile a minute and Javier doesn't get any time in. <laughs> Javier, I, I just kind of want to ask you what's going up in your on your world. Um, you know, he's into the researcher of neurobiology, which is so important right now, expert on HBOT. Is there any news you would like to bring to us today? Oh, no. I mean, I think that the the, the news coming out of, of California, which was the last state I would think would, would actually be part of this this lawsuit. Uh, and But okay, California does have some pretty good consumer protection laws, which is one of the reasons you would do it. And to mm -hmm. have that come out uh, at a time like this, to provide a pathway for the rest of the country, for each of the individual uh, law groups that want to try it and to be proven successful. I think that that is, you know, the um, <laughs> the divine spirit uh, inspired people to look in the least uh, likely places uh, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, uh, to find a way through it. And, you know, you know, this things like this destroy companies. Gilead having to pay it's not going to be $5.6 billion at the end of the day. It's probably going to be a lot more than that. That'll destroy the company. I've been hearing a lot of rumblings now that Pfizer is now being put on the, on the altar for sacrifice by the department of defense. They're mm -hmm. just saying we need, we need people to focus on Pfizer. Now they're yep. the bad guys. They'll take the fall. Gilead's the same thing. Remdesivir. Okay. So that's why they link Pfizer with, with, with remdesivir. It's all part of a strategy to distract because tax dollars were used to kill Americans and to kill people around the world, unfortunately. Yep. yep. Very, very true. They're not going to get away with it, though, because too many people are aware that Pfizer was just the evil, greedy tool 
used by our government and by global entities correct that wanted yep. this to happen especially and with the vaccine <laughs> yeah you know we're not even talking about remdesivir think about how many people they've murdered with that yeah. oh yeah yeah and then that's that's going to be uh you know at, at this point for anyone that's listening uh that might know people within the department of defense within Pfizer, within gilead mm-hmm. let people know that uh whistleblowers do have protected status under a lot of legal and legislative statutes uh, that will provide them uh, some uh, protection in the lawsuit. If you're working for a company that's done this, you are as liable mm-hmm. as, as yep. you know, the CEO. And that is a big problem. So uh, this is not about just sparing your yourself. It's about doing the right thing at the same time. And also- yeah, yeah, get it off your conscience. Get it I mean, off it's got to weigh on you knowing that you possibly helped murder people. I mean, come forward, disclose what you know, saw, did, heard. You know, we document the whistleblower stories, too. And um, our founder, Brad, he has some key TAM cases. But uh, these people need to, to help us. You yes. know, a, lot of yeah. them, a lot of them quit or left or got fired because they wouldn't take the jab. But they need to come forward and tell us what they saw, what they did, did and heard. And it's, that's gotta be freeing to your, to yourself as well. Yeah. You know, we, um, we also just filed a amicus brief with the Supreme court that um, to get them to clarify um, actually a word in a case because it's very vague and the, the other side is using it however they want to, but exactly. so it needs to be clarified. So at least now that the Supreme court knows who we are, what happened in the hospital and all of these, you know, widows and victims are now, you know, in the Supreme court's papers and they, and they can say, Hmm, maybe that happened to my aunt Karen, you know, right. just ra- raising awareness. It was kind of a unique thing that mm-hmm. we did, but um, we're tr- just trying to everywhere, every way to get the, the word out about what's happening and what, who these victims are because they're grieving, but they're fighting just as hard. You know, our, our citizen task force is full. It's all victims who are working around the clock on in 30 different committees, yep. you know, mm-hmm. meetings every single day, mm-hmm. grieving at the same time. It's just amazing. And it's so inspiring. You know, mm-hmm. I think they thought that we were just going to roll over and pull the covers over our head. I'm sorry. Yeah. You just pissed off thousands and tens of thousands of women mainly. And that's yeah. not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, even the, the men, you know, and our, our support groups are so important. We have them six days a week. We have over 12 different groups. Um, that meet day- daytime um, and nighttime Tuesdays. I think has four different ones for parents who lost children, women's only survivors group, right. uh, men's only. We yeah. have an art therapy day. Um, we have a night owl day for people that can't sleep. We have a Monday mega meeting. We have um, daytime groups because we have to keep these people strong. They need, they need the support and, um, they're very, very involved. It's become like a big family because they mm-hmm. all share this, this, this unique, unfortunate experience. And, um, you know, a lot of them go to each other's houses now and, you know, cross the state, go visit each other, go on trips together. And just, they share this. It's, if anything good has come out of this, it's been, there's been some very deep founded and lasting lifelong friendships. Wow. Yeah. So this is former feds group formerfedsgroup.org. And I've got the tab pulled up for those of you who can uh, see the visual. The um, 
uh, what am I, what am I on here? It is the support tab, I believe it's mm -hmm. called. Yep. And, and everything you just listed there, it says you are not alone. And it, it talks about the Monday evening support groups, Tuesday evening, all of that going on is just, um, so you don't, you know, don't be alone through this. You're not alone. You are, you are loved. You are believed. Um, and join this community of amazing people. You know, I mean, you can't take the pain away from people who've been through this, but just knowing you're not alone can help you through this journey. You know, that um, exactly. it's so yeah. important. So formerfedsgroup.org, all of the things that um, Carolyn Blakeman has been telling us um, on the show today, you can go find there and get the support, donate if you can, fill out if you've got a, lo a loved one who has been lost or injured, fill out one of those forms. You can join the class action lawsuit. Carolyn, you know, thank you for coming on again, giving us an update and for your, I'm not going to say tireless, for your very, I would say your exhausted devotion <laughs> because <laughs> you, yeah. you're, you're not giving up and you're still here. And Javier, as always, a pleasure spending a couple hours with you, my friend. Uh, you've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. Have a great weekend, everybody. Lots of love to you all. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Brad Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PJI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit pji.org. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.